Welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Today, you are going to learn how to outsmart emotional eating and live a life of happiness and joy without giving up the foods you love. Now, here is Dr. Nina. I welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I am your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin, and I am here to help you liberate yourself from emotional eating, take control of your life, and feel good in your body all without dieting, spending hours in the gym, counting a single macro, or taking any kind of medication. So today, we're going to talk about seven power moves for a stress-free holiday. So many people go into the holidays going like, oh my gosh, I I don't want to lose my mind over the holidays and I don't want to gain weight. What do I do? So I am here to help you with these seven strategies that it's going to help you get through the holidays. It's going to be powerful and wonderful, and you're going to enjoy the holidays, and you're not going to have to worry about getting on the scale on January 1st. Okay, so the first tip, first strategy is to 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 ditch the diet drama. If you have ever said, oh, I'm not going to eat anything all day because I'm going to that holiday meal at night, or you're dieting furiously because you got to lose X amount of pounds by the time the holidays are here, or you, uh, or you know, you know, you know how that goes, then, then you are setting yourself up for disaster. Or if you're dieting at any time, or if you think that dieting is the cure for binge eating, no, it is not. Like, look, the holidays, the season is filled with delicious temptations. You got the, you know, cookies and appetizers and decadent desserts and everything in between and ham and this and that. And it can bring up a lot of stress around food and a lot of guilt around food. And this is especially true if you are struggling with emotional eating or binge eating disorder or binge eating of any kind. Even thinking about food or obsessing about it, thinking about it all the time, it causes guilt, shame, frustration, hopelessness. But with a few mindset shifts, you really can enjoy the holidays, including the food, without losing control over food or feeling bad about what you eat. And by the way, if you're listening to the show on Voice America, I invite you to call me. Uh, The number is 866-472-5792 if you have any questions or want to contribute to this topic. If you are watching the live stream on Instagram, just go ahead and drop a comment or a question in in the comment box and I will be sure to get to it. All right. So... The solution to this is really, it, it, it sounds so counterintuitive, but it is to stop dieting. Diets lead to binging. That is why it is called the diet binge cycle. Weight loss diets lead to binging for a couple of reasons. One, they create a, a cycle of restriction and deprivation, which leads to wanting what you can't have. So when we restrict ourselves from certain foods, when we follow those diet rules, it triggers deprivation. And then, of course, we want what we think we can't have. It creates a, a preoccupation with those forbidden foods. Eventually, our willpower gives in and we eat the thing that we think that we cannot have. And then we think, well, because we've got the diet mentality, all or nothing thinking, we think, well, I had some of it. I've ruined the day. I might as well have all of it. And I'll go back on my diet tomorrow. So this just creates, you know, restriction and binging. 
It also promotes this all or nothing mentality where certain foods are labeled as good and certain foods are labeled as bad. And it creates a sense of guilt and shame when we have those foods that we think are off limits. Then not only are we eating the bad foods, we feel like we're bad or we feel bad about ourselves. And if you feel bad about food, if you feel shame or guilt around what you are eating, but you don't have a way of reassuring yourself, comforting yourself, supporting yourself, and and encouraging yourself, you end up eating for comfort because you feel the shame and the guilt. So it creates this vicious cycle. So this year, try a different approach by allowing yourself to have the the forbidden foods, let's not make them forbidden, without spiraling into guilt or, or loss of control. Here is how to do it. First, detach your, your feelings of shame or judgment from your food choices. No foods are inherently bad and no foods are inherently good. They're just, some are just more healthy, some are less healthy. And you are not good if you eat salad or bad if you eat cookies. Give yourself unconditional permission to enjoy the occasional treat. This may sound counterintuitive and you might be thinking, oh no, if I give myself permission, I'm just going to have all of it. But actually, if you give yourself permission, you will have less of it. Study after study after study after study has shown that when you take away restriction, people eat less. I, in, as a psychoanalyst specializing in eating disorders, I've seen this over and over and over again in my practice, that when people really do give themselves permission to have something, they can decide, A, if they want it, and B, how much of it they want. Um, so when you don't have those restrictive rules that lead to rebellion and overdoing it, you actually feel more in control. When you have the rules that you are then breaking and you feel out of control and you feel like you can't stop and you just feel like you're, it's taken over you and you're in this you know, binge mode, that's the worst. The key is to actually allow yourself to have the thing you think you cannot have. And that doesn't mean have all of it. That means have some of it and enjoy it. Now, this is not about the psychology of binge eating. This is about the psychology of deprivation. So if you have a cookie or two and check in to see with yourself, was that cookie good? For some reason, it's all about cookies, right? Christmas cookies, Hanukkah cookies, it's all cookie cookies. But I know there are other foods that people feel like they cannot have. You know, just check in with yourself. Is this as good as I thought it was going to be? Do I want more of it? Give yourself permission to enjoy it instead of just like gobbling it up and stuffing it down your, your throat as fast as possible because you have that shame and that guilt and you're just kind of doing it and you're doing it fast and you can't stop. You know, I remember those days. Why do I do this work? I do this work because I was once the poster child for eating disorders, including binge eating disorder and, and bulimia. So I remember, well, if someone had said to me, just have some, I would have been like, you want crack? Can't have some, but you can have some. And I learned that I could have some. This is not the only way to deal with binge eating. This is about dealing with the, 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 dis, the, the uh, restriction and the deprivation that can lead to binge eating. 
So it's not the psychology of binge eating disorders, the psychology of restriction and how that leads to binging. Um, and also, remember this. We talk about the holidays, the holiday meals. But the holidays really only involve a limited number of meals, right? They're not every single day. It's, you know, Hanukkah, Christmas, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, you know, maybe some holiday parties in there. But it's not this free-for-all, everyday thing. So allow yourself to enjoy the meals that you do have over the holidays, which are really just a handful of meals. Um, and at the end of the day, remind yourself, your worth is not defined by what you eat or how much you weigh. And really know this. Really take this in. Have compassion for yourself and focus on all the meaningful reasons for the season. Don't let a number on the scale or the number of whatever's that you ate, don't let that define your self-worth. Don't let that make you feel bad about yourself. A piece of metal and plastic cannot measure your self-worth and your value. And if you want to lose weight or you want to stop binging or both, do that, but do it by harnessing the, the power of self-compassion. I will get to that later. Thoughts lead to feelings, lead to behavior. When you have the thought of, I, I'm awful, I hate myself, I can't believe what I weigh, I can't believe I, I ate that, I've done this to myself, I suck, what are you going to feel? You're going to feel terrible. You're going to feel awful. And it, you cannot be mean to yourself and then support yourself and be nice to yourself. How does that work? No, that's where you end up using food for comfort and distraction and to get away from your own mean voice. So be really focused on why you are eating. Is it deprivation? Are you comforting yourself? And how you are speaking to yourself. Now, this, this power move was skip the diet drama, but you, you see what goes into the diet drama. It really is a relationship with yourself drama. And when you when you are a friend to yourself, when you turn your inner critic into a friend, you can support and encourage and validate and acknowledge yourself. Guess what? You make yourself feel better and you don't need ice cream or cookies or what have you for that purpose. Not that people only binge for comfort. It's also filling a void, turning emotional pain to physical pain. So many reasons. And for all of those reasons, it's important to be curious, not critical. So skip the diet drama. Focus on why you are eating, not what you are eating. Are you hungry? Have you skipped meals all day to have that holiday dinner and now you're starving and you can't stop eating? Are you depriving yourself? And so this is your opportunity to have the, the things that you can never have. So you might as well have a lot of them because tomorrow you're going back on that diet or January 1st, you're going back on that diet. Are you eating for emotional reasons? Are you eating to cope? Are you eating to get away from your own mean, awful, critical voice? Get curious. Okay, so that is power strategy. Number one, skip the diet drama. Number two, this is a big one. This is powerful. Decode your family dynamics. This is a key step towards and ensuring that your, your holiday season is as stress-free as possible. Because the holidays, 
all of those family, either those family meals or those family get togethers, or you don't have that family, but you see that family, like the Hallmark holiday family, it seems like they're out there and everyone else is having an amazing time, but you're not. Um, it really awakens complicated emotions and unconscious, sometimes unconscious conflicts and revives uh, issues that come up in families and it gets so uncomfortable that you may use food to cope, right? So luckily you can do something different. So start by reflecting, think, reflect. What patterns show up over the holidays? What family interactions trigger you? So let me tell you about Petra, not her real name. I'm gonna use a little bit of her story through weave it in through the rest of, of this, um, this show, because you might be able to find yourself in Petra. Now she recognized that certain family interactions definitely triggered intense emotions. Sometimes it was the judgment of her aunt. We all have that one of those aunts or uncles or someone in our family. Who's like, no matter what you do, it's never good enough. Um, or this high pressure environment that came in in this family. This is her family was super like everyone's a, an achiever, and you know no one just runs. They do rent. They do marathons. No one has uh, you know a job. They have a, a, a corporate career or a law firm. What everything was so high pressure and everything, and and Petra never felt good enough. She never felt like she lived up to expectations. She never knew what to say to people when they said things that she often took as jabs, even though it might not have been meant that way. If someone said, well, so what are you doing? You know, she heard kind of, are, are you doing enough? Even though that person may not have meant it doesn't matter. That's how she took it. And so the holidays were just so mm, nerve wracking for her. And of course, she would seek comfort and momentary escape through food. So what's important to remember is that these triggers are not the problem. It's how we perceive and react to the triggers that cause stress. Just like no one has an, a food problem or an eating problem. You may feel like you have a food problem. You may feel like you have an eating problem. No, you have a problem a coping problem, a feeling problem, a, a, an inner conflict. You have something going on with you. And food is actually the solution to the problem. It's not about willpower. It's not about control. It's not about addiction. It's not what you are eating that is the problem. It is what's eating at you. And then food becomes, eating becomes the way that you are resolving that problem, that you are learning to cope. Um, and the the stressors that you experience at the holidays come from patterns and expectations that go back in time. As a psychoanalyst, I'm often asked, why do you talk about the past? The past is past. Just like, can't you be in the moment? Why are we talking about the past? And I always say, no, we're not talking about the past as if it just happened. It's over and done with. There's no point in talking about the past forever. This happened and this happened and then this happened. You know, you can go on and on and on and talk about the past. But unless you bridge it to how you are in the present, 
nothing is going to change. You really have to learn, okay, the past is not in the past. The past is alive in your present. So if you're at the holidays, at a holiday party, and you realize that your father is really critical and judgmental of, of you or other people, and you realize, oh, I completely internalized that voice. Now I am critical and judgmental of myself, right? So it's not like, oh, in the past, my father was critical and judgmental. It's yeah. And I, in turn, internalized that, identified with that. And now I am treating myself as I was treated. So it's an opportunity to really see where some of these patterns came from. If you see, you know, uh, the, the snarky aunt that Petra had, if, if you have a snarky aunt like that or someone in your family and they're they're talking to other people in a way that makes you cringe, really look at, you know, is that how you expect people to be towards you? Are you like that towards you? It's really a way to be a social anthropologist and get information about how you are relating to yourself. Again, if you're critical and judgmental of yourself all the time, you're going to use food to cope. It's a way of uh, escaping that voice. So the key to change is to identify what is it that you are what you know what is it that you are de- identified from the past what is it that you're saying to yourself where did these ideas come from and wh- how can you create change would you say this to anybody else probably not probably not um just yesterday someone was was telling me uh you know how she ate uh i, I don't know I, half a pumpkin pie. It <laughs> half a pumpkin pie for breakfast and she was just like I am so gross. I am so disgusting. I can't even look at myself. Uh, if people knew the truth about me, they wouldn't want to be friends with me. And I said, "What would you say to a friend of yours who confessed that she ate half a pumpkin pie for breakfast? Would you say, "Oh my god, you are so disgusting. You are so gross. I would not want to be friends with you after this. Goodbye." And she was just like, no, of course not, right? So often we treat ourselves one way, but we treat other people another way. And we expect other people to respond to us the way we respond to ourselves. When we're mean to ourselves, we expect other people to be mean to ourselves. When we judge ourselves, we expect other people to judge our, uh, us, which makes us feel bad, <laughs> which, hmm, what's in the kitchen, right? Because you can't, be mean to yourself and nice to yourself at the same time. You cannot cut yourself down and lift yourself up. You can't discourage yourself and encourage yourself. No. So if you're discouraging yourself and you're saying mean things and you're feeling bad, got to cultivate not only a way to not be mean to yourself, but a way to be supportive, to be a friend to yourself the way you are a friend to other people. This is life-changing. Binge eating is not about food. Binge eating is a way of coping. It is a frenemy. It does something for you. It helps you escape. It helps you comfort. It helps you distract, whatever it does for you. But of course, it also hurts you. The key is to not focus on food, but focus on why you're eating and and heal your relationship with yourself. Change your relationship with yourself. Heal your relationship with yourself. And that changes everything. Um, so 
back to family dyna- dynamics. G- got a little off track. Yes, I did. All right. So one common issue uh, at, at the holidays are it's it's the unresolved conflicts or the unresolved tension in families that resurfaces when everyone's together, when everyone's back together. And it leads to, uh, uh, it can re- really lead to a mess. Past disagreements, hurtful comments can be brought up or they can happen again. It just causes tension. It causes discomfort. And then if you don't have the ability to to respond to yourself and really uh, uh, support yourself through that, you're going to be looking at the dessert table. Uh, another another very common family dynamic is the pressure to conform to certain expectations or roles in the family. And if you you know if you know anything about this, maybe you were labeled as the problem child or the golden child. There's a lot of expectation, by the way, around the golden child or the black sheep or the, the one who never does anything right or the, the one who's so dramatic and oversensitive, right? How, however you were labeled in childhood, that label just comes up again as soon as you're with your family. And, and it can lead to resentment, frustration. You might feel like you're not being heard. You might even wonder, am I oversensitive? Am I dramatic in the problem child? Like it could bring up so much. You could be a a, a 45-year-old woman who, or 55 or 65 or whatever age, and go back to, to be with your family during the holidays and feel like you're four or 14. It's it's it just causes so much regression and activation of old stuff, um, and also, and this is especially true lately. It can uh, another dynamic that's difficult at the holidays is when you're with family members who have different beliefs, different values, different lifestyles, different political ideas, um, uh, at which leads to clashes or disagreements. When you're talking about religion, politics, or, or parenting styles, that's another one. You know, it just it, it gets tense, people. Right? It gets so tense, and it's challenging to deal with that tension if you are kind of locked up and you don't have a way of soothing and comforting yourself. So it's important to remember every family has its own unique dynamics. What's problematic for one family may not be problematic for another, but by by being aware of the potential issues and being proactive, you can you can work towards having a a, a better experience over the holidays. So l- let me just let me just go through some common dynamics because sometimes when I when I talk about this, people are like, oh, I'm not the only one who has that. <gasps> All right, so here are some really common dynamics and themes that happen, and if you can relate to that, and you're on Instagram. Drop me a comment or a thumbs up or something. But here, here we go. Here are some of the things that happen over the holidays. The overbearing relative who bosses everyone around and imposes their way of doing things. The siblings who are constantly bickering like you're five years old again over everything. Politics, choices, old childhood conflicts. You always got your way. <laughs> you know, no one ever listened to me. It was always about you. Or 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 in-laws, that's a big one. You know, dealing with in-laws and their differences in their traditions, their values, their parenting styles, or a, or or a 
parents treating adult children like they're still kids and being overly critical or intrusive or um, relatives being invasive, personal questions in your business won't take a hint or being competitive about who's going to host, who gives the best gifts, who cooks the best food, et cetera, right? Or, or, or guilt tripping and shaming around food, money, career status, um, being single, uh, lack of boundaries, inappropriate humor, advice you didn't ask for, pressure to spend time with toxic relatives for the sake of family togetherness, who can relate to that? And of course, disappointment when reality doesn't match the Norman Rockwell perfect, you know, ideal for the holidays, that hallmark holiday happiness that somehow it feels like other people have. And if you have that, awesome. So happy for you. <laughs> That's incredible. Most people don't have that experience. So the key is, you know, to manage expectations, set boundaries, prioritize self-care during this time, give yourself permission to opt out of dysfunctional family situations if needed. And that leads me to the third power move, which is setting boundaries to protect your emotional well-being. So the first power move was skip the diet drama and all that goes with that. Second was decode your family dynamics, really see what are you dealing with. And third is, and this is where some strategies of, okay, now that you see it, what can you do? You can set boundaries. We have all felt that holiday stress where you just, you know, you're, 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 you're anxious, your chest tightens. You just think about like what it's going to be like when everyone's together or or you're excited about it and then everyone's together and it's not how you thought it was going to be. So it really is important to manage your expectations, but also have boundaries with what happens over the holidays. Um, that can be challenging. I just talked to someone who's parents were like, well, you're going to come see us for two weeks, right? Like, no, no two weeks. Uh, and they just couldn't understand why this person couldn't just drop their lives and come for two weeks. Um, just, you know, whatever the expectations are, or it's like, you know, I planned the whole day. This is what we're doing on Hanukkah. This is what we're doing for Christmas. This is what we're doing for Kwanzaa or whatever. Um, being able to set boundaries and and it's a life it's life changing and you have to have a clear understanding of your needs and your limits before you in, engage with your family so first think about and this goes back to decoding your family dynamics what are the behaviors or interactions that are most triggering most stressful for you this is going to help you realize what you can tolerate or what you cannot tolerate. And then here's what you do. You, you, you set those boundaries. You express your needs and you do it in a certain way. You can um, always use I statements. So instead of saying, well, you always criticize my choices, you say, well, I feel, I feel hurt when my choices are constantly being criticized. 
and you can be firm, you can be consistent, avoid apologizing, don't justify yourself. I am a lover of of Star Wars, and I also love acronyms. So I blended the two and came up with this acronym that I think may be one of my favorite acronyms of all time. It's JEDI. Do not justify, explain, or defend the I. How's that? So go in with a JEDI attitude. Okay? (laughs) And that leads us to the break. When we come back, I am going to talk about actually how to set those boundaries. We're going to talk about how to navigate body shaming during the holidays, how to enjoy that meat, how to enjoy the holiday meals too, how to plan ahead for serenity during the holidays, and, and how to cultivate gratitude and more. So I'll see you in a couple of minutes. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you tired of the endless cycle of dieting and binging? Ready to break free from emotional eating and regain control of your life? Look no further than The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina, the transformative radio show that will empower you on your journey to food freedom. Dr. Nina is here to guide you every step of the way. Join her as she delves into the true causes of binge eating, uncovers hidden triggers, and gives you effective strategies for lasting change. With practical tips and inspiring stories of transformation, The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina will help you nurture a healthier mindset, embrace self-compassion, and rediscover your true self. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Have questions for Dr. Nina? Join her on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina here on Voice America and also live streaming on Instagram. We are talking about seven power moves for a stress-free holiday. Um, I talked about uh, how to skip the diet drama, decode your family dynamics, and now we're talking about how to set boundaries. And I have a question from Heather. What is your take on diets with meal replacements temporary for weight loss? Heather, I got bad news for you. Um, it won't it won't work in the long run because it, 
I have had, listen, I've had people come to me who had weight loss surgery. I had someone who was on the biggest loser. I can't say who it is, who gained all the weight back. And they, and many other people who've had gastric bypass or gone on ma- massive, you know, diets or uh, ozempic more recently. And then they, they real, then they realized that it wasn't what they were eating that was the problem. It was why they were eating. And until you deal with what you're eating, you could go on a diet and you, you can have a, um, a meal replacement and you'll lose weight. But eventually you're going to go off that diet. And diets only deal with what you are eating and not why. You really ultimately have to change your relationship to um, food by changing your relationship with feelings and not using it to cope and not using it um, for distraction and not creating deprivation, which leads to binging, all of these things. So that is my take on on diets with meal replacements. It it, it really is... Um, uh, it's a temporary fix. It's like it's like plucking a weed, but without getting to the root. You got to get to the root. We can't see the root, but we know we know it's there because it grows the the weed. You got to dig deep and get into like maybe places where you're in the dark, <laughs> underground, unconscious, and figure out what's going on with you. Why are you turning to food? Um, because there's a reason there's a diet binge cycle. All right. I think I've made that point <laughs> adequately, but thank you for your question. Thank you for your question, Heather. All right. So, so, um, boundaries, be firm, be consistent. Do not apologize. I was talking about my Jedi acronym right before the break. Do not, do not justify, explain, or defend the I. How awesome is that? I'm very proud of myself for that acronym. <laughs> Don't justify, explain, or defend yourself is the point. Um, be firm, be consistent, do not apologize, do not justify, explain, or defend yourself. Boundaries are about taking care of yourself, and you have every right to do that. Be prepared for resistance. People don't like when you set boundaries. They much prefer when they can say whatever they want to you or, or have whatever expectations and you don't push back. Oh, well. Um, some people will not understand your boundaries. Some people will not respect them. Got to stay focused. You got to stay assertive. You are not being mean. You are not being selfish. It's self-care. And it is also helpful to have some support system in place. Um, a friend, a partner, someone who can give you some emotional support and encouragement during those interactions. Um, if you don't have that person or you want to have a, a, a support system that's global all over the world, please join my my Dr. Nina's Food for Thought community on Facebook and, and share. Um, you can always share, hey, I'm going into the holidays and I'm worried about this and people will be there for you and with you and give you that encouragement. So that's always uh, that's always something that is available to you. Just go on Facebook and do a search for Dr. Nina's fa- um, Food for Thought community. Um, and last, be willing to compromise when appropriate. Setting boundaries doesn't mean totally shutting down or isolating yourself from families and saying, well, I will never darken your door again. It means finding a balance that respects your needs Yes, you matter too. 
while still maintaining the relationship. So, you know, be open to finding solutions that work for everyone. Now, how do you set boundaries? Communicate your needs. Express your limits and expectations to your family and friends, such as, example, I appreciate the invitation, but I won't be able to attend that party this year because I need some time to recharge. Um, prioritize self-care. So make self-care a priority. And lots of times self-care feels selfish. It is not. Selfish is I only care about myself. Nobody else matters. I only care about me, not you. That is selfish. Selfless, selfless is I don't matter. It's all about you, right? So selfish is you don't matter. It's all about me. Selfless, selfless is I don't matter. It's all about you. And if you are too selfless, then you are going to take care of other people and food will take care of you. So the answer is if, if you have selfish on one side and selfless on the other, the answer is to be in the middle. And that's self-care. And that means giving yourself what you need. Sometimes you balance, sometimes you you take care of yourself, sometimes you, you're there for other people. But self-care means privileging your well-being instead of sacrificing yourself to make other people happy. There's a great saying. I love the saying. It's, um, uh, oh, this is so awesome. Don't set yourself on fire to keep other people warm. Isn't that awesome? I, it just says it all. Don't set yourself on fire to keep other people warm. Don't sacrifice yourself to make sure everyone else is happy. So you can say, this is an example of self-care, prioritizing self-care. I need some time alone to recharge. So I will join the family meal later in the evening. Next, learn to say no. Learn to say no. It is okay to decline invitations or activities that don't align with your well-being. You don't have to do everything and please everyone. So thank you for thinking of me, but I won't be able to help with organizing that holiday event this year. I have other commitments that need my attention. Clean precise and boundaried, right? It's not mean. You're not saying, how dare you? You're, and you're not apologizing. I'm sorry. I can't. I wish I could. But no, you're saying, no, I won't be able to do it. You say no without explanation, without justification, explanation, or defense. Um, or set time limits. It's another way of creating boundaries. If you find certain interactions with people or certain events to be really draining, who doesn't? Um, set a specific time limit for your participation in that. So that allows you to do it without feeling overwhelmed or resentful. So you could say, well, I can join the family dinner for a couple of hours, but I need to head home to get some rest or do whatever, do some, whatever, do some work, whatever it is, right? So those are some ways that you can set boundaries to protect your emotional well-being. Because remember, we turn to food to cope. It is a negative coping strategy. It is not about willpower. It is not about control. It is not about addiction. It is a way of 
coping with something that's difficult. It's a way of escaping painful, difficult thoughts and feelings. But of course, it is a way of coping that hurts us. So the more that you can learn strategies to cope in a healthy way, you don't need food for that purpose, right? That's how it works. Okay, next, navigating body shame over the holidays. Ooh, this is a really important aspect of maintaining a stress-free holiday atmosphere, right? Because the holidays, uh, they invite unwanted comments from family members about weight gain, food choices, or your appearance. And these body shaming moments can be super hurtful, but there are some graceful ways to respond that are not justifying, explaining, or defending. So here are three ways that you can do that. Someone says something snarky or nasty, and this is a, this is body shaming or really anything. Um, there are three approaches. Deflecting, setting boundaries, which we just talked about, and using humor. So, um, you know, you you can have some, you could, you could be prepared with some snappy, clever comebacks, right? So let's, let's look at some of those. Here are some examples of things that people have said to my patients and clients over the years. These are actual things that their family members said to them in past holidays. You've really packed on the pounds since last year. Yeah, it looks like the COVID-19 got to you. This is actually some, something that someone said to, to, to this person. Um, so how do you deflect? You deflect by completely changing the subject, which means responding with an absolute non sequitur. So someone says, oh, you've really packed on the pounds since last year. <laughs> and you say, got any travel plans for next year? You just totally change the subject as if they didn't say anything. As if you, you're just like your ears do not take in the things that they said. Um, you could set boundaries by saying, uh, I'd rather not discuss my body. Let's talk about something else. Or if you want to use humor, you can say, well, that just means there is more of me to love. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, here's another one, which several people reported. Um, are you sure you need another serving of that? Are you sure you need another helping of that? Are you sure you need that? Now, no one in the history of all time has ever responded to this question by saying, oh, thank you for bringing that to my attention. I changed my mind. I, I, I don't actually need or want another serving. So <laughs> instead, here are some ways to, to respond to that kind of shaming question. Deflection would be like, I'm looking for a new book to read. Any recommendations? Just totally change the subject. A boundaried response is, please don't comment on what or how much I'm eating. I don't like that. A humor response is, well, yes, I am sure. I am quite sure. I'm absolutely sure that, yes, indeed, I do want another serving of that. But thank you for checking in with me. Another another one that someone said to this, I think this was like 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 a sister in law or something. I'm not I try not to give too much away, right? But this this person, the sister in law, said to my client, 
oh, you're going to have to double up on your workouts after all this feasting and holidays. After all that you're eating, mm, you're going to have to really double up on those workouts. Why? Why do people feel the need to say these things? Why? Okay. Deflection response would be, um, have you have you seen any good movies or good shows on Netflix lately? I'm looking for something to watch. No, you get the idea. You just you just you just completely change the subject, and they'll be just like, huh? And then you just keep keep talking. Just ignore it. Just 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 ignore it completely. A boundary response is, um, let's not talk about that topic. Or actually, I am focused on enjoying time with my family than worrying about calories. Thank you very much. A humor response is, wow, you are really, really, really focused on me. You are laser focused and giving me all your attention. You've really got eyes on me. I am flattered. So with practice, deflecting, setting boundaries, and using humor can help you handle body shaming gracefully, and it can make you feel empowered as well. That's important. It may feel uncomfortable at first, but it is so important for maintaining your well-being during this holiday season and with practice makes progress. Practice makes progress because there's no such thing as perfection, only in geometry, like a perfect triangle, a perfect isosceles triangle. Um, I just like saying isosceles. I don't actually know what an isosceles triangle is anymore. I think I got a really bad grade in geometry. So, But you get the idea. There's no such thing as perfection when it comes to being a person. All right. So we talked about the power moves for a stress-free holiday. Skip the diet drama. Decode those family dynamics. Set boundaries. Navigate body shaming with those three strategies of deflecting boundaries, and humor, and also learn to enjoy your meal. Um, the holidays just get associated with overindulgence and therefore guilt, but you can take back the season by actually creating a new way of thinking about food. So one way to do that is to, pra is to practice mindful eating. Now, mindful eating is really hard to do when you are but when you are eating for um, psychological reasons, if you're eating because you are uh, um, filling a void or eating for comfort or or eating because you're angry or, you know, turning emotional pain to physical pain unconsciously, all of that, it's very, very hard to do. But the holidays are time when you can start just to practice implementing this just as a strategy to get through that holiday meal. So instead of focusing on the negative thoughts or judgments about your body that you're having or that you think other people are having, um, shift your attention to the actual sensory experience of eating. So pay attention to the flavors, the textures, what it smells like, the aromas of that food, and just savor each bite. Take one bite at a time and just mindfully give yourself permission to just taste it. How many times in a binge do you, you know, like kind of inhale that food and you don't even remember how it tasted because, you know, it's not actually about food. This is a way to enjoy. This is not about how to stop binging. This is about how to enjoy those family meals. Taste it. Enjoy it. Savor it. 
be present, shut off those thoughts that say, oh, um, I shouldn't be eating this. Or, oh, or if you talk to yourself in second person, which is deadly, oh, you shouldn't be eating this. Um, so by being more present and really doing your best to enjoy the meal, you can cultivate a more positive and enjoyable relationship with food, at least in that meal. So instead of looking at holiday meals as opportunities to overindulge or as a source of anxiety about overindulging, think of them as a special occasion that you get to enjoy, right? So allow yourself to have whatever your holiday treats are that you really look forward to without guilt or restriction. When you allow yourself to have it, you will actually have less of it because um, you will enjoy it more. Um, I often tell the story, if, if you've been a, a listener to me on this show, you've heard me tell the story about the, the woman with the milkshakes. Law, uh, I'll, I'll shorten it, but she essentially, you know, every day told herself she wasn't going to have a milkshake and every day she'd have a milkshake. So I told her to go have milkshakes every single day. She had to do it. I ordered her to do it. I directed her to do it. And what happened by day four, because she had permission from me, she was sick of milkshakes. Um, because when she was eating them out of guilt, somehow it, it just became this, this thing she couldn't stop. But when she ate it, um, and actually because she had permission to eat it, she enjoyed it more, she wanted it less. So allow yourself this as, as an opportunity. And remember, one meal or one day of indulgence, or even a few days over the month, it's not going to significantly impact your overall health. It's not going to change your weight. Um, when you have a more balanced and flexible approach to eating, when you actually can let yourself enjoy that food without guilt, without worrying about whether you're going to gain weight the, the next day, without worrying about what other people are thinking. By the way, if you're worried about what other people are thinking, beyond the strategies I just shared about body shaming, be a, be an observer. If you feel like eyes are on you and that people are thinking, mm, she shouldn't be having that. Mm. Just think, what do I think of them? Instead of what are they thinking of me? And what's your mind reading in the worst possible way? Ask yourself, what do you think of them? What is your opinion of them? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it somewhere in between? Are they annoying? Are they nice? You know, when you are an observer, the spotlight goes from you to them. When you have that big spotlight on you and you think that you're under it, oh, and everyone's looking at you going, oh my God, I can't believe she's eating that. You feel terrible. You feel self-conscious. You feel awful. And if you don't have a way of being a friend to yourself, encouraging, supporting, and being loving to yourself, yeah, you're going to eat for comfort and distraction. So instead, let's take that spotlight and put it on other people. Focus on eyes out. What do you think? Not what do they think of you. What do you think? Um, also, focus on the social aspect of these holiday meals. Instead of focusing on it as like it's all about the food. Think about, like, can you have a meaningful conversation um, with someone at the table? What's it like to spend time with loved ones? Shift your attention away from the anxieties about food and more toward the, the experience of, of spending time with family and friends. And, and by immersing yourself in that, 
you also take the pressure off of focusing on food. And you can just have a more positive experience around holiday meals. Um, and, you know, back to Petra, who I talked about a little bit in the beginning, she she noticed that certain aspects of the holidays would trigger unhealthy eating habits. So she told herself she couldn't have any pie. She's like, if I have a piece, I'm going to just not be able to stop. So I can't have any. But inevitably, she gave in. And that one moment of surrender led to days of binge eating and guilt. And that lasted longer than the holidays. And she was miserable. And so we, we started noticing, well, like what, like, what is it about pumpkin pie, for example, that like, what's that about? Is it just about the fact that you can't have it? Is it just about deprivation or is it something else? And she's like, I, I have no idea. I just feel like I can't, I can't have pumpkin pie. Um, and so instead of looking at it, we just decided to change her relationship with pumpkin pie. <laughs> instead of looking at it as this guilty indulgence that she wasn't supposed to have, she decided it's part of the holidays. It's a symbol of the holiday spirit. It is a treat to be enjoyed. She gave herself permission to have that pie. She enjoyed it. She ate it mindfully. She ate it slowly. And she actually found, to her surprise, that she didn't want that second portion because she gave herself the gift of eliminating deprivation and, and, and having that forbidden food, which meant the urge to have more and feeling guilty, that all disappeared. So this year, she's really confident about getting through the holidays without worrying about food or gaining weight because it's no longer so scary for her. It's like, yeah, I can always have it. So then if you can have it, you can decide do you want it or not. Um, so once you've identified the foods that cause you anxiety, remember you have the power to change your response to them. If it is a if it feels like a trigger, reframe that. It's not a trigger. It's it's about deprivation. You know, it's about like something is going on with you that you are telling yourself you can't have pie. Why? Why? What are the food rules about that? What is the diet mentality of, of that? Challenge that. And then have it and enjoy it and, and see what that experience is like. Because when you make these mindset, mindset shifts, you can really eliminate food anxiety, which leads to eating more. <laughs> food anxiety actually leads to, you know, <laughs> feeling bad eating for comfort, eating to resolve their anxiety. But when we're anxious, we're all uh, nervous and anxious like that. And then we end up eating to sedate ourselves sometimes. So um, I didn't get to the last one, let ones which were plan ahead for serenity and cultivate gratitude and giving. Um, I might talk about that next time, but thank you so much for joining me here on The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm here every Thursday at noon Pacific on Voice America and also, uh, oh, my Instagram just failed. Okay. Um, on, uh, on Voice America. And if you missed the live show, you can always listen later on uh, any podcast channel and Voice America. If you want to have a deeper dive into this topic, be sure to get your copy of my best-selling book, the Binge Cure, Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating, available on Amazon in all formats, including Audible, if you want me to read it to you. And just out, I now have The Binge Cure Journal, which is a, an amazing and powerful workbook that goes along with the original book, but is a standalone book in its own right. 
So stay curious, not critical. I will see you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Each week, she offers valuable insights to stop emotional eating and give steps to lead a joyous life. Tune in next Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 